from Impact Media Studio West, just outside the Atlanta metro area. It's time for that sports show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, that sports show. This is Impact Media's weekly drive right down Broadway, otherwise known as uh, pretty much every sport, especially here in the Atlanta area, as well as some national stories too. Lots to get into tonight. We're going to talk some Falcons, some NFL, some NASCAR, some F1. And uh, before we get started with the Atlanta Braves, I want to tell you that if you want to leave us a question, comment, suggestion, rating, review, any of the sort, you can do so the following ways. You can email the show at 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. You can search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, Jeremy York, That Sports Show. Any of those should find us. If not, refer back to the email. If you are one of those people who just likes to click a link and listen to a show, you can do so by going to Twitter, going to at Team Impact Media. You will find all our shows posted there where you can just, it is just point and click and listen. If you want to follow myself for show notes, show links, and uh, other non-show related things, fun adventures I get into, you could do so at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. You can also you can also leave us a rating, review, question, comment, all that stuff uh, anywhere you find the podcast, including Podcast One, the iTunes Store, or Spotify, or many other places. If there is a place you find a podcast that you cannot find us, please let us know. We will remedy that very shortly. Now, as I said, I want to talk a little Atlanta Braves right out of the gate. Now, we all know. They won 101 games. They own the tiebreaker over the New York Metropolitans. Those are the Mets. So that shot the Mets off into the wild card series where the Padres defeated them and knocked them out. It gave the Braves a uh, bye in the first week, a bye week, which is fine. Um, I argue that sometimes, yes, it's good to have time off because you can heal up and you can work on things and you can get people back from injury a lot of times. And sometimes that time off, you're you're in such a daily grind. You're in such a daily grind of playing uh, 467,922 games of baseball in a year that that time off is actually a little detrimental. You get a little rusty. You get a little, little stiffened up. It's a little harder to get 
back loose again, and then sometimes that catches up to you. And I feel like that's what happened to the Braves here. And I'm not making excuses, but for majority of this year, even when you guys know I'm a Mets fan, even when my Mets were leading all these times of the year, um, I, I kept saying that these two teams were probably the two best in the NL, possibly in baseball, in the Braves and the Mets. And I even said the Braves are a better team than the Mets. Would not surprise me if they won by the end, which they did. I'm not saying that toot my own horn in this scenario. I'm just saying that because I believe that these two fighting for the division wore each other out. You saw it where the Mets had nothing left for the Padres, and you saw it where the Braves were getting close to an empty gas tank, and that time off really hurt them. It's more like instead of cutting the car off, they left it idling, and it, I think it just ran most of the rest of the gas out. Uh, they dropped game one to the Phillies 7-6. to six. That's, that's the one they were the most in. Uh, that was last Wednesday. Uh, last Friday, they lose to the Phillies. Or no, let's see. That was last Tuesday was seven to six. Last Wednesday, they actually won game two, three to nothing. Uh, I think that was just the last hurrah. That was just they put everything they could into trying to win that first game and thinking that would give them the energy. And I think they just used the last of the the firepower. Uh, the Phillies won game three last Friday, nine to one. And then they won eight to three on Saturday, ultimately sending the Braves home. Now, once again, 101 wins is spectacular. You won the East again. You made the second round of the playoffs. You saw the emergence of Spencer Strider into a dominant starter, Kyle Wright into a dominant starter. Um, we saw Grissom come up and show that he could play the middle infield positions and play them well. I think that helps you going down the road in the following two scenarios. You have Ozzie Albies that should be ready by the start of the year to be fully healed and back, so you don't need a second baseman. The biggest question this offseason is obviously Dansby Swanson. And keep this in mind. You could pay Dansby the money that he probably earns. He probably, you know, that he deserves. But there are other things on this team you may have to look into and address. And before I before I get into that too, also uh, Michael Harris the second, uh, his emergence as your starting center fielder, a position you have not had locked down for years. Uh, I know... I know you are going to try to tell me that Ronald Acuna Jr. is your center fielder. He's not. He's either your right or left fielder, however you want to look at it that way. But, you know, having all those things, you know, Arcia and Rosario and uh, Willie Contreras, you know, it's it really solidified a lot of this team. Back to the Swanson thing, because I want to circle back here. What you're looking at is uh, if you pay all that to Swanson. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not saying you should. This was a this is another Freddie situation. 
hopefully it goes a little smoother. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you're just going to re-sign him and that'll make things better. No, it doesn't mean not re-sign him either. I'm, that's not for me to figure out. My name is not Alex Anthopoulos, and I do not run the Atlanta Braves. That is for him to figure out what is best for this team. But if you use a lot of the money, then you need another starter. Um, and you need another starter because uh, you gave Charlie Morton $20 million. I think he's more there as a mentor and a coach. He's, he's still got some wins. He's still got some – he's still got some – he's got gas left in the tank. That's, you know, lack of a better way to put it there. Um, Max Freed, he's, he's, he's still your, your – one of your top-end starters. You need you, – you could use another starting pitcher. I know a lot of rumors and a lot of things say Jacob DeGrom. Well, if you pay DeGrom, you're not paying Swanson. If you pay Swanson, you're probably not getting DeGrom. And that's not saying that DeGrom doesn't opt out of his contract and then not re-sign with the Mets anyway. I feel like he's he's going to try to cherry-pick a situation. If he's trying to pick the best situation for him, maybe that's to stay in Manhattan. Maybe that's to walk uh, down the road to the Bronx. Maybe that's L.A. or Philly, even. We don't know. We've seen a lot of NL East stars uh, end up defecting to Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, there's a chance he does that. We'll have to see. That's that's fantasy land, whether you get him or whether you don't. But you could use a number four starter. I know you could say Morton is your four. You, you need another option, too. And maybe maybe that option's in the bullpen. That's where you got Strider. Maybe that option's in double A AA or triple A. I mean, you know, there, there's always that possibility. You have to look at left field. There are not a lot of great free agents to be in left field. So you can, or, or you could pursue a left fielder. And yeah, and you, maybe you trade for one. Maybe you do say, you know, I'm not sure who out there is available. You could continue to platoon there. And potentially save a little bit of money. Um, I think you need to tell you need to tell Ozuna to get his stuff and get out. And I think it is not just his up and down play on the field. I think it's the obvious off the field stuff. Now is the perfect time to hey somebody else wants to pay him to play baseball. That's fine, but he is not a Braves character guy. And that is why he should not be on this team. Just my opinion. Um, like I said, if if you try to pursue a left fielder, then then maybe you can. Maybe you can just platoon it. There's always the possibility too that you can move Acuna to left field and then look for a right fielder. There's always that situation. Uh, but it seems like the number one thing that people are looking at is if you're going to keep Dansby Swanson. Local guy wants to be here. You know, Freddie goes to his home team. We, we knew that. Freddie goes to his home team. Or not his home team, but it, near his hometown. He's a California guy. He grew up there. So, it you know, it kind of made sense to do that. Well, Swanson's from here. He's from, like, Roswell or, like, you know, within – 
driving distance, easy driving distance of where he plays all of his home games. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think there are going to be other people because he is a full-out free agent. There are going to be other people that try to pursue him. You're going to have to wait till after the World Series to find out who it could be. I, I have joked even on the Chop Shop podcast that it could be it could be the Padres, but I mean, it's not saying I don't I don't know why he would go out there, but you know, it, maybe it's the deal he's looking for. Maybe maybe it's it's about the big contract for him because he has a World Series now. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. Um, it's not doom and gloom. I, I know Braves fans are like, oh, we're, we're going to probably lose him like Freddie. You don't know that. You don't know if that's not going to be a great thing. Uh, as much as it it pained everybody to lose Freddie, you got Matt Olson who is cheaper Freddie. Uh, hopefully you don't lose Dansby. But if you do, uh, the sun's still going to come up t- tomorrow, unless it's supposed to be cloudy. I, I didn't look at the weather report. But, you know, the sun's still going to rise. This team is still one of the best in the National League, even though they're, I mean, they're not currently playing. We got sunshine tomorrow. Do we? Can we? Look? We do. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. That, according, it's going to be quite sunny and it's going to warm up and it's going to be nice again. It finally, it's going to finally stop being cold. Cold so much, I guess. But either way, that's enough of a weather report. But the sun's still going to come up, Brace fans. And this is coming from a Mets fan. Remember, this a Mets fan who, who grew up in Atlanta uh, through a lot of rough times. But I don't need your sympathy. I'm actually happy and excited. Hey, if the Mets are out, I, I want the Braves to do well. I have always wanted them to do well. It's you know they're the hometown team. I know what it means to the community and to all of of uh, Braves country, which is one of the biggest areas. It's kind of like you know being a New England Patriots fan. It's like the entire New New England area. Well, the entire Southeast for the most part. That's the Carolinas. Uh, that's Tennessee, that's Georgia, that's Alabama, that's Mississippi. Honestly, almost all the way out to Texas, that's Louisiana, all the way out that way. That's Braves country. Because for the longest time, there weren't Florida Marlins. There, you know, it, it just, you cheered for the Braves if you're out this way. So Braves country, feel good that you're still one of the best teams in the league. Uh, you're not going to lose hardly anything between now and, and next year. And you're going to get Albies back. You're probably going to keep Swanson. You're going to figure out left field, and you're going to find another starter. That's not – we're not asking a whole lot. Those are simple fixes. But just wanted to address that. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on it, Braves fans. You guys know that. But – Man, it's it's going to be a fun off season, and you guys are going to enjoy your season next year. Right? Uh, I, I think you guys are are got to be penciled in as a division winner again. Uh, let's get into some NFL. There have been some interesting things happen in the first uh, in, in the first part of this week. Um, we just heard that Dak said he will be back this Sunday. We'll see what the doctors say. That's probably more than likely true. Um, what does that mean? That means Cooper Rush should always be ready because Dak could get hurt again. And at the end of this season, if I'm Cooper Rush, 
I may try to see if I can start somewhere because he showed he can be a a military starter, especially in the right situation. If you need one until you draft one or need one until you can find a better answer, Cooper Rush may have may have helped himself out with his play. Um, let's see. Oh, the Arizona Cardinals are turning into the Al Davis Raiders. And this is what I mean. Al Davis, as good as he was as an owner, uh, towards the end of his tenure, he just made some baffling decisions in the organization in general uh, towards the end of that, that, that tenure there until his ultimate passing, unfortunate passing. Um, but the Cardinals are on their way to, to catching up with the tomfoolery. They um, gave max money, excuse the NBA term, they gave max money to a quarterback who clearly doesn't study the playbook nor probably watch film, uh, likes to improvise a lot, and he, and he has skills, but at some point those are going to go away. Ask Cam Newton. Ask Michael Vick what happens when you don't study the playbook and they start to catch up to your skills. They, I think, uh, was it Hollywood Brown? One of their receivers is going to be out for a good while. And so they trade, they trade for, uh, Robbie Anderson, who had been benched and kicked off the sideline by the Carolina Panthers, who are the biggest train wreck loss cause of this year, the, the most atrocious unorganized team, and they kicked him off the sideline because uh, and, and benched him. And, and yet, you know, and yet they get a receiver go down in Arizona, and they say, we want that guy. What? People think the Panthers are going to have a fire sale that, that um, you know, maybe – Maybe, you know, maybe they get rid of uh, the running back or they get rid of uh, Darnold or Baker or P.J. Walker or uh, this defender. I don't, first of all, I don't think they're going to have a fire sale because there are still some really good pieces in Carolina. And if you start having a fire sale, then you make being the head coach a less attractive position if. You know, you got to think of it this way. Let's let's think of it like real estate. And you're wanting to buy a house because you want to turn it into a rental property. Let's say a rental property. Let's go this way. Do you want to buy a house that is just the wall studs? No, no sheetrock on the wall, no roof on it. It's just, it's a concrete slab. It's a piece of concrete with a bunch of uh, stick walls built on it. Do you want that one? Or do you want one that's maybe a little dinged up, you can you can just do a few minor repairs to? Or do you want one that doesn't need a whole lot done to it? At this point, they're the one that just needs a few small repairs. If you start having a fire sale, then we're right back down to the concrete slab with the, with the, the bare walls. That's not a very uh, attractive 
situation to want to be in. And David Tepper, you can you can say all you want about it. he uh, he struck he went big, and he missed when it come to when it come to uh, Matt Rule as his coach. But he admitted his mistake because he got rid of Matt Rule uh, at the earliest time he could. He wanted to see if it would shake out this year. It didn't. Matt Rule's downfall is what most of them, most of the problems that NFL head coaches that fail do. He never got the right quarterback. And when you don't get the right quarterback, it usually doesn't go well. Or you don't get a good quarterback. And, and he was trying three or four different ones, and it just didn't work. Um, you know, even if you have McCaffrey, it just it just it didn't line up. Uh, Baker was the answer. Donald's just now coming back. P.J. Walker's done okay. I mean, the commanders are having the same issue. Taylor Heineke is probably their best quarterback, and he's their backup. And at least he's playing now because Wentz is hurt. But uh, I, I hate it, but Rivera may be the next one can. Um, but back to Arizona. They, they overpay for free agents. They overpay their quarterback. I don't know what Kingsbury. I don't know what Kingsbury can actually do, but it just—it's just a lot of colossal bad decisions that are, are just going to add up for them. I mean, why do you want to get the headache of a receiver who got benched and kicked off his own sideline on the worst team in the league? And you—you you think that moving him from the East Coast to the West Coast is going to fix that? Yeah, I, I don't know. There's three teams that that are definitely, definitely not, um, definitely not on the up and up. Um, I just want to say this because I, I've heard people mention this on other shows, and I've heard people. I understand when they when they chuckle out of it and they're making a, a, a lighthearted thing about it, but let me let me just say this: Tua Tagovailoa come out and talked about the hits that he received in those back-to-back games, and he said after one particular hit he lost consciousness. I don't think there's anything funny about that, and a lot of people are like, "Well, of course you did. We saw it." He's not saying it to break news. He's saying it to try to clear his own thoughts and come to the grips of how serious that situation is. He's admitting that he's aware that he lost consciousness and that that was a beyond scary moment that could come back and haunt him somewhere down the road. And I applaud his efforts of of coming out and speaking about it. I think that is another step in the right direction to trying to prevent these kind of things from happening. That's what the protocols are there for. It's just like speed limits. They don't set speed limits to be an annoyance that, gosh, I can't believe I have to go this slow through this area. No, those are for the safety of you and everybody in that area that they deem it's, it's, I understand a lot of people speed too. I understand a lot of people shaking their head at me right now. That, that's what those are in place for, is the suggested speed for the conditions in the area. 
that is what that is. And that is what these protocols are. It's for the safety of the athletes. Here in a minute, we're going to get into an incident on a NASCAR track. And that's where the, that's where the punishment handed down is attached to. Of all the things that happened, the main thing NASCAR had a problem with was endangering the driver, the other drivers involved, and potentially the fans and other people on the track. That's, that's what you try to prevent. Look, this is a violent sport. Football, NASCAR, hockey, water polo, anything. Anything can be dangerous. You guys know that. But these protocols are in place to prevent catastrophic things from happening. And we don't know what's going to happen with Tua. He's cleared to play this Sunday night. We will see what happens there. But I, I'm I'm just glad that he come out and, and he's you know when him he's trying to recall the things that happen. I'm sure there's things that, that he's blacked out that he doesn't he doesn't recall. So him saying that he lost consciousness I think is a super serious thing. I'm glad that he's come out and said that. Now we can we can use that to try to prevent this in the future. So I wish him all the best. I wish the player all the best. Not not the team, not not the NFL, not not anything like that. I wish the player the best in this situation. Um, I think there was one other thing. I know there's a game going on right now as we speak. There was oh those teams teams I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, how about the New York Jets for one? They're, these are surprising teams. The New York Jets currently sit at four and two and have impressive wins this year. They just recently beat Green Bay. 27 to 10. They beat the Dolphins 40 to 17. And you could say they did that without Tua. Whatever. It's, it's still 40 points on a good quality defense and team in the Dolphins. They beat the Steelers. Uh, they beat the Browns. Now, the two games they lost, you could argue they lost by 15 to the Bengals and they lost uh, by 15 to the Ravens. Two pretty good teams. But the Jets, I mean, here's the rest of their schedule. Uh, they play the Broncos this Sunday. They're probably going to beat the Broncos. Then they play the Patriots. There's a pretty good chance they could do that. They play the Bills. Probably not. You never know, but pretty, probably not. So they play the Patriots again. They're, they're going to at least split that series. They get the Bears. They're going to beat them probably very badly. Them and the Vikings, that's a fun matchup uh, on a Sunday afternoon coming up uh, early December. They get the Bills again. Then they get the Lions. They're going to probably beat the Lions. They get the Jaguars. Pretty good chance they beat them. They get the Seahawks and then the Dolphins again to finish. I mean, without counting it up there, there's six or seven potential easy, I mean, not easy wins, but I mean, wins, you look at them on the board and you go, 
there's a chance they win those games. Six, seven, easy right there, and they're already four and two. So if you add six to that, that's ten. Four, seven, that's eleven. It's not I'm not just here to do a math lesson. If they win ten or eleven games, they're more than likely gonna gonna easily be the number one or number two wild card. This Jets team, they look really good. Now I know they have a wide receiver who's not being used much, and and he's kind of up in arms, and he wants to be traded, and yeah, whatever. Well, they're playing good despite that. They're actually playing really good. So shout out to the Jets. Uh, they're, I mean, in that division, by the way, Buffalo at five and one, the Jets at four and two, Miami at three and three, New England at three and three. Yeah, that's a loaded division. All those teams have the potential to make the postseason, and they could. They absolutely could. Uh, other surprise teams. Uh, the Chargers are 4-2 and two and tied with Kansas City despite having one of the goofiest coaches. I just I, – I, he just doesn't make good decisions. Uh, Denver and, and the Chargers, neither one of those guys, bless their hearts as we say here in the South, neither one of those guys are good at making game decisions. Uh, just wow. And the fact that they're in the same division, uh, I think – it's unfortunate, but Nathaniel Hackett's probably not going to going to make it past the first year. Uh, depending on what the Chargers do, if they do what they normally do and win eight, nine, ten games, then you're stuck with your coach. It's what the Dallas Cowboys are looking at: is uh, if if you put together a solid year, even if you make the playoffs or barely miss them, Mike McCarthy's probably still going to be your coach. So if you want him gone, you got to lose games. But it's it's not up to the players to do that. It's the fan base that keeps trying to run a coach off or to keep him around. So. Uh, Chargers surprising just because they usually find a way to blow opportunities and for some reason they're just not doing it this time uh, the New York Giants they are they have a system where Daniel Jones can play his game and he fits within this system and those parameters and they ask him uh, to just do his job not have to do extracurricular things all the time just play your game and it's working. They're five and one. And if Philly wasn't six and zero, oh, five and one to lead this division. Uh, Dallas at four and two, and the Commanders at two and four. So that's 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 three teams in the N NFC that are looking at postseason potentially. Um, I think Seattle has got to be one of those teams. I got one. I'm keeping for the end. I think Seattle at three and three. I, I thought for sure they were gonna be like two and four, one and five, just be atrocious. But Geno Smith is doing pretty well. He's getting the ball out to his playmakers. Pete Carroll has figured out a way to dial up some some good defensive stuff. Now he's not the defensive caller, but he is he is a. Uh, He's doing some good stuff and keeping the defense going. And Seattle at three and three, they they may be they're tied for first in their division. Seattle, the Rams, and San Francisco are all three and three, and Arizona's at two and four, just right behind them. Uh, Seattle, I think, definitely has to be one of those surprise teams. And then lastly, the Atlanta Falcons. They're currently tied with the Buccaneers at three and three. They would technically be second because of the tiebreaker because they lost the head-to-head. -head. Doesn't mean they can't win the other one, but both those teams are a game above New Orleans, who is playing now, and Carolina, 
who is one and five, and yeah, we talked about them. Um, just so you guys know, it is 28 to 14 Cardinals at the half, but uh, over the Saints, just to show you where we're at in this show. Let's talk about the Falcons. The Falcons at three and three. They beat the 49ers, as I told you they would. They should have beaten the Buccaneers, but unfortunately they had to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the uh, the new branch of, of the team organization down in Tampa called the Zebras. Uh, they beat the Browns, as I told you they would, to beat the Seahawks. They should have beat the Rams. They were really, really close. And they lost to the Saints by a point. So this is similar to what happened last year, where the games they lose are by just a, a, a couple points. And by a couple, I mean two to three. You lose to the Saints by one. You lose by four to the Rams. And you lost by, what, six to the Buccaneers. So all one-score games. So there's a weird outshot chance that you'd be 5-1 and one or 6-0 and oh at this point. Instead, you're 3-3. Three and three. It is what it is. You have the game this week versus the Bengals. The Bengals, who are three and three themselves, and they're only basically a touchdown favorite, and that and three of half of that is because they're playing at home. You can beat the Bengals. I'm not saying it's because the Bengals are bad. No, the Bengals are still a pretty good team, but this Falcons team, they are scrappy. They are resilient. They are consistent. Those are things you couldn't normally say about this team in the last few years. Say all you want. Marcus Mariota was like the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, and he only threw like 17 passes. It's because his command of this offense and making sure that it runs with as little hitches as possible, he's doing a fantastic job. A lot of you guys are trying to run him out, run him out. Let's play the rookie. Let's play the rookie. Really, Marcus Mariota has this team at 500 with, you know, near misses to the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Saints, with wins over Seattle, Cleveland, and the 49ers. Those are all middle-of-the-pack teams. Those are, they're, you know, Buccaneers, you could say, is a top-tier team. The Saints are always going to play you tough. It's similar to what I said a while ago about the Jets. It's the way they're playing. Can they beat the Bengals? Yeah. Can they beat the Panthers next week? Oh, yeah, yeah. They they could play half their people and beat them. Then they get a test against the Chargers in early November. It's going to be a fun game right there. Uh, you're not going to be able to go pass for pass. You're just going to have to keep playing your game, pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball, and control the clock. After that, they get the Panthers again. So in the next four weeks or the next four games, potentially three and one, if not four and up, if they play the way they're playing. Then guess what? Then the next four games, they get the Bears, win. Commanders, win. Steelers, probably win. Saints, good chance they beat them this time. Then your last three games, you get the Ravens. That'll be a fun battle. The Cardinals, they're going to be bad at that point. And you get the Buccaneers again. So, I mean, you're looking at 3-3. Three and three, They're still potentially... Six, seven, eight wins here. Six goes to nine. Seven is ten. Eight is eleven. If you win eight, nine, ten, eleven games, 
then you're showing this rebuild is ahead of schedule. And everybody's like, oh, well, then we can't get a top pick. You're still going to get a, a, a top third, maybe top half. You're, you're still, you're still going to have a, a pretty big pick. You, you don't necessarily need the top five pick because that means you're one of the bottom five teams. You're not one of the bottom five teams. You are a team that is showing a lot of promise. You are. Uh, it's it's so much fun. They are a fun watch. They're so much fun to watch this Falcons team. I enjoy it. It uh, it it brings back memories to me of of watching when I was a kid with my grandfather. That I would all the time. I got lucky. Uh, this this grandfather lived uh, just right next door to me, so all I had to do was walk up a hill. But on Sundays, a lot of times I would go over there we would watch the Falcons games. And this was before I, I really got into any kind of team affiliation or anything, but he always wanted to watch the Falcons. He was not the world's biggest sports fan, but he always enjoyed watching them. And I think he enjoyed watching them because I took interest in them too. And and watching this team here reminds me of a lot of those teams that I watched growing up and, and uh, brings back to those memories of, of watching with him, as I said. And uh, it's that, you know, once again, it's it's what it's what these teams mean to the communities. And it's not just because they win. Even if this team was 0-6 and playing this way, I would tell you the same thing. They are a fun watch. They are scrappy. They are resilient. They absolutely are ahead of the schedule on the rebuild. They are, like I said, they're exciting. Attendance is up. I don't know if you guys knew that. Look it up. Attendance is up. More people are going to games. It is harder to get a ticket to these games because the team is doing as good as they are. And they're, and think about it. On offense, they're running the ball a lot. They're not passing a whole lot. They are you – know, the offensive line is definitely, definitely loads better. They finally have pieces in the right situation. Just sometimes it was just moving a guy around. They still have – Drake London as the one. Ryan Edwards as the two. Uh, Zacchaeus and others and Pitts as as the the slots. I know Pitts is listed as a tight end, but they line him up Jimmy Graham style in every offensive set you can do. Uh, it's not just Grady Jarrett anymore on defense. It's AJ Terrell. It's it's not just the main guys. It's all these people. Sometimes you don't know their names. And they're making massive plays. I mean, last week you got down to the last corner and safety on the bench. They had to come in because of injuries and other things. And they won that game. They hung on and and played a tough 49ers team and picked up that win. So I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm going to keep watching because this Falcons team, man, they're going to do some things. And they're going to do some fun things. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh, before we get into the back end of the show, I want to take a break real quick and talk about betonline.net, our partner. And uh, so after the break, we will come back and talk a little racing. But for now, we'll take a break and learn about betonline.net. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. 
Bet Online is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Make sure to check out our friends at betonline.net. That is betonline.net. They have the articles. They have the podcast. They do so much of the research and the work for you that even if it is not where you can legally wager on sports, you're still going to be a smarter fan. You're going to learn so much more by checking out the the podcast and checking out the articles and all the fun things they do. Uh, Betonline.net, they are fantastic, and tell them, that Impact Media sent you. We don't really get any kickback or anything like that, but uh, they love hearing where you hear about them, and uh, we love when they hear about us. So uh, definitely check out betonline.net. Now, let's talk a little F1. I want to talk Formula One first because I want to finish up with NASCAR because it ended up being the most entertaining. F1, they are down at the uh, Aramco U.S. Grand Prix. That is in Texas, by the way. They are down in Austin, Texas. The defending champion is Max Verstappen. But I have seen all kinds of fun events they are doing. Now, they do these a lot of places, but down in Texas, I know McLaren and Williams and, and Red Bull, they're all doing these big-time events. Sometimes it's private parties. Sometimes it's come meet the drivers, uh, simulators. And it seems like Texas is just a big it's just a big destination for F1, and they really enjoy being able to spread out and uh, do all kinds of fun things. Uh, they do call it Circuit of the Americas, uh, and it is, uh, it's, it's a really fun-looking course. Uh, the race, of course, is going to be uh, this Sunday at 3 p.m., since it's in the U.S., we finally get an afternoon start to the race. I believe it's at 3. Yes, on ABC. Yes, that means it will be going head-to-head with probably the Falcons or something else, but that's fine. And uh, it's it's just been it's just been a fun year. Max did lock up the points championship last week in weird I can't say controversial because he didn't do it in weird F1 fashion. It was very NASCAR-like the way that played out. But there's still things to go on. There's still the Constructors' Championship, which is like the team championship. Uh, there's still placement. There's still People are still competing for rides next year. We already know of, of a couple that are not going to be back. Uh, I think Latifi, Nicholas Latifi, signed the other day to race elsewhere. Uh, there's a couple other ones. We know there's going to be a shakeup with a bunch of different drivers. Um, I will say right now, give me, give me George Russell to win this week's race, and um, yeah, give me, give me George Russell 
And uh, I actually think that uh, Lando Norris and uh, and uh, Alonzo are going to have some pretty good days too. But give me give me George Russell because I don't think he's got a win yet in his career. And uh, him and and Lewis Hamilton have uh, been trying to hang on there and, and compete with the Red Bull and Ferrari guys. So I'm going to take Hamilton in that. I'm going to take George. I mean, George Russell, not Hamilton. I'm going to take George Russell to win in that one. Uh, I told you the driver's championship is locked up. Constructors is, is getting there. Red Bull holds a lead at 619. Ferrari is at 454. Mercedes at 387, which means there's the podium. Uh, and then you get Alpine at 143. McLaren at 130. Alfa Romero 452. Aston Martin, 45. Uh, Stuart Haas, or just Haas, really. I don't think Stuart's part of this part. Just 34. They're tied with uh, Alpha Tori, by the way. And then Williams with eight. But, um, and all those teams, they're, they're going for everything. They're trying to put on a great show. And I know I'll be watching. I hope you guys are watching as well. But uh, F1 is in Texas, as I said. And they will be uh, 3 p.m. start, as I said. Let's go to NASCAR. And we're talking about the Cup Series. And why are we talking about the Cup Series? Well, let's just get into it. We're talking about the Cup Series. It was just in Las Vegas. And boy, were there fireworks. There was great racing. Absolute great racing. But there was also drama. There was stuff everywhere. Uh, it was pretty clean. It was just a good racing day. Pretty clean. Wasn't a lot of crashes or cautions and things like that. You had the first round of pit stops were on lap 39. Those were under green flag. Uh, at the time, the 24 of William Byron, the 22 of Joey Logano, the 12 of Ryan Blaney, uh, Denny Hamlin in the 11, Chastain in the 1, Briscoe in the uh, 14, Chase Elliott in the 9, and Christopher Bell in the, in the 20. Those were your top 8 at that particular juncture, about halfway through the first stage. Uh, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez were having uh, good late stage one runs. They were really doing pretty well. Uh, Kyle Busch spun out with about three to go. That caused a little bit of a restart. Uh, ultimately, though, Bubba Wallace wins the stage. Logano, Suarez, Christopher Bell. And uh, Blaney were the... Uh, finishes stage one. They get stage points. Um, Max Suarez doesn't. He's out. Neither does Bubba. Uh, they, they get points towards their own standings, but as far as the championship, it was uh, just uh, Logano, Bell, and Blaney. I think in the top ten, you all get points. 
So, lap 86 was when stage two began. Bubba Wallace, Suarez, Logano, Truex, Chastain were your top five. Um, this is when <laughs> the bigger fireworks started to happen. Kyle Larson is racing Bubba Wallace pretty hard. Not an uncommon thing. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with that. It was Bubba. Kyle, Kyle races hard. There's nothing wrong with that. He's not the only one who races hard. It's just in this scenario, it was him. And so they race pretty hard, and they both expect the other one to check up, otherwise known as get out of the throttle and kind of give up the position. Well, neither one of them do. And so since they do that, Larson kind of taps Bubba in the side panel a little bit because they're both trying for the same position. It wasn't an intentional hit, but he does that. And it causes Bubba to get sideways and tag the wall. Well, coming out of that, instead of, it doesn't end his day, but it, instead, of, and he, uh, Bubba's decided that he's tired of people getting into him like this. And so he just comes and, t and hits Kyle Larson in the back right quarter panel and spins him around. They unfortunately take out Christopher Bell and ended his day as well. But they spin out, and then once the caution comes out, Bubba Wallace takes his helmet off. He goes out towards Kyle Larson and uh, starts shoving and yelling at him. Um, it seemed like the only part that Bubba was most upset about, or not upset, he was more remorseful about, was when the reporter, who who was, I like the word he used, fishing. He was he was trying to get a soundbite out of him, and he, he told him to quit fishing multiple times when he was trying to use the bait word of retaliation. Um, it might have been what it is, but it, he said it way too many times. You guys know my issue with, with these NASCAR pit reporters that it, they don't ask good questions. But anyway... Um, towards the end, says, well, what about taking out your Toyota teammate, Christopher Bell? I saw Bubba Wallace's demeanor change, and he, he kind of got super serious and stopped thinking about how he got slighted and things like that. And uh, he he said, uh, that's that's racing. That's, that's racing, and walked off. I feel like they had a conversation. He did not, he, he probably did not, he didn't want to take Christopher Bell out. Uh, Larson even said towards the end in his post-race press conference that, or post-incident, that um, they were just racing each other hard. It happens. So here's my thing. Here's, I'm going to just break it down. Do I have a problem with either one of them racing each other hard? No, I don't. Do I have a problem with uh, them getting in a shoving or shouting match? No, I have a problem with either post-race uh, set of comments. No. What I have a problem with, and, and, or, do I have a problem with Bubba Wallace taking exception to occasionally people more getting raced hard more times than than not? No, I, I don't have a problem with him standing up and letting them know that he's he's just not going to just sit there and take it like. People may think he should or would. 
where I have the issue, it's the same as the Tua situation. That's that's why I put I put it out there earlier in the show. It's about the safety and well-being of all the people at the track, and that is not just Bubba Wallace. That is not just Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell. That is other people in the race. That is other track officials. That is fans. That is things like that. When you purposely spin someone out, you may not have the intention of injuring them, but when you spin them out where they are going pretty, pretty fast and pretty heavily into a wall, bad things can happen. And luckily, nothing really did this time. But that is my issue with the whole thing. Have no problem. Once again, if Bubba hears this or somebody tells him of it, make sure you say, I have no problem with you standing up for that. I have a problem with you putting the safety of others in play. And that's, that. That's you know, he knows that. He knows that. He, he, he made a knee-jerk decision. Probably wasn't the right decision, but... Now one of two things is going to happen this week. Either nobody's going to mess with him, or he's going to get spun a couple times, and they're going to see what he does. Well, actually, it won't even be this week. He got a one-week suspension and probably a fine for this week, so he will not even uh, be racing in Miami, which is where they're at. But overall, like I said, I like it. Uh, my affinity for... Bubba Wallace went up a little bit. I, I like him a little more for him standing up. Not for him going after Kyle Larson, but for him not taking it. So that that was on lap 17 of 85, otherwise known as 97 of 267. So we're not even halfway into the race when all that happens. So you got Wallace out. You got Larson out. You got Christopher Bell out, which sucks because Christopher Bell is trying to win a points championship. The other two are not in it anymore, and it jumped, it dive-bombed him to, to dead last. He's going to need a win either in Miami or Martinsville to make it work. Uh, so you get the round of pits. They restart on lap 23 of 85, which is 102 of 267. Uh, Hamlin was leading early on, uh, and then uh, Ricky Stenhouse spun out. The restart was on lap 28, otherwise known as 108 of the race. Uh, Chastain was the leader at that point. Ty Gibbs and Austin Dillon kind of get into it a little bit. They're racing hard. They kind of get into it a little bit. Not anything like Bubba and Larson, but uh, so they get into each other. and I'm sure that was a fun discussion on pit row. Uh, Blaney was leading late. And then ultimately, it finishes with Blaney as your stage two winner, Joey Logano. That's two back-to-back second places in this stage so far. Suarez, who was also in third last time, Chastain, and Hamlin. Lots of big points right there. Because Blaney, Logano, Chastain, and Hamlin are all in the playoffs. Uh, we go to stage three. Restarters on lap 96 to go. We get Logano, Chastain, Blaney, Hamlin, Almirola, who was having a good day. Um, the 15 of J.J. Yaley spun out with 73 to go. The restart was on 68 to go. Chastain still leading. Austin Sendrick goes into the wall. There was no caution. He was able to just spin it around and keep going. Kyle Busch and, uh, and uh, Blaney are, are out front. 
Blaney has a tire issue and slams into the wall with 40 to go, and it pretty much ended his chances of, of doing well. And uh, Kyle ends up losing the tire coming out of the pits, so that pretty much ends his day. He, he continued to race the race, but he had to come get a, a penalty and a tire put back on because it just went flying down the track. Uh, there was a restart with 35 to go. With, let's see. I think this one Suarez spun out. And uh, uh, when the eight car spun Suarez out, which was not, no reason to do that. So they get the restart on lap 22 to go. Where it was Haley, Briscoe, Reddick, Chastain, and Harvick. Was sneaking up there. Uh, Landon Castle spun out with 16 to go. Chastain and Logano had a battle the last seven laps. Uh, Logano takes the lead with two to go. And Logano wins the race and locks himself into uh, the final four. He's the first to lock himself in. Uh, Chastain got second. Kyle Busch, who recovered and did quite well, got third. Chase Briscoe in fourth, the Haas driver. And Denny Hamlin of Team Toyota in fifth. Now, before I talk a little bit about Miami, I will tell you the... Standings. If I, do we have those? Maybe I don't have the actual standings. But I know Logano is in, and as I said, Christopher Bell is uh, in last. Let's see if we can get him here. Here we go. Logano's in first with the win, obviously, and the points. Uh, Ross Chastain is second. Chase Elliott is third. Denny Hamlin is fourth after his strong day. William Byron is sixth. Uh, Chase Briscoe, no, is fifth. Chase Briscoe is sixth. Ryan Blaney is seventh. And Christopher Bell is in eighth. And we'll need a lot of help to get up in the standings. Uh, a win would, would definitely do that. But as I said, they are in Miami, otherwise known as Homestead. This weekend, that race will be Sunday at 2.30 on NBC. Yep, it will be going head-to-head -head with F1. Uh, and the defending champion is William Byron. I, I, I want Christopher Bell. I would love him to win one of the next two races so that, that uh, the, the, the injustice that happened to him of being caught up in the Bubba Wallace-Kyle Larson mess would, would actually uh, get you know, balanced out. Uh, but overall, Miami and Martinsville are, there are two tracks that Toyotas are really good at, and he is a Toyota. 
Um, I actually think that we're going to see Denny Hamlin win this race. So I'm going to go with either of those Toyota guys. Would it surprise me if Larson or anybody else got it? No, it wasn't. Um, I feel like we're not going to see any backlash between um, Bubba and Larson next week or this week. I mean, he's not racing this week, so. We'll see what happens next week in Martinsville, but I feel like that incident, it's going to linger a little bit, but you're not going to see anything close to that. Uh, like I said, Sunday at 2.30 on NBC is the NASCAR Cup Series. They're going to be at Homestead. F1 is in Texas, Austin, Texas. That is 3 p.m. on ABC, was it? I think it was ABC. Uh, going to be a big weekend. Got the Falcons on. Got all the other stuff going on, but that's going to do it for us this week. Shout out to all you amazing people who make it so much fun to come on here each and every week and talk sports, uh, especially, you know, United and the Braves and the Falcons and NASCAR, F1, NFL, all the fun stuff that we talk about here. But that's been the latest issue, the latest edition of that sports show. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.